0: Well, good morning. Uh, normally, I'd have the pleasure of this morning saying that God is good and hear the response of a lot of people here at church. And today, uh, I've got Bill sitting here and we've got three people sitting back in the booth, but we're going to do it anyway. So, guys, God is good. All the time. And all of the time. God is good. Great. And I hope for those of you who are joining us by home and there's, Lord willing, a whole lot more today. Um, that that really just absorb and embrace and relish in that truth, that even today that God is good despite our circumstances, despite what's going on in the world around us, despite what's going on this morning, God is good. His intentions are good. His character is good. And his goodness extends to you and to me all of the time. Um, We really hope that you had a meaningful Christmas, just an opportunity with family and friends and those around you to really celebrate the meaning of Christmas, the incarnation, the coming of Jesus and everything that that means for us all the time, but certainly today, and that you're off to having a good and a happy new year. But I do want to just address this issue of why we are live streaming today and live streaming only. Um, It was a decision, frankly, that was just made within the last couple of days. Um, As we have talked about many, many times uh, here together, that we really getting together on a Sunday morning is a miracle. Getting together on a Sunday morning is is a supernatural event that God orchestrates. And we believe in his sovereignty And circumstantially, there have just been a lot of things going on this week. Um, And just this, over the last couple of days, the elders had time to pray together and talk together and really came to a conclusion that the Lord was really prompting us and hearing from him to at least just for today, go live stream only. Um, Just to let you know, Richie has been on vacation this past week and frankly had a a good week. He and his uh, family had a wonderful Christmas and New Year, but he's okay. He's not sick. Uh, We're not doing this because Richie's sick. He's home enjoying some much-deserved time off. Many of you knew that Reed Jolly, he's been here two or three times before, a, a retired pastor from Santa Barbara and a good friend of this church. Uh, Reed had been scheduled to come here and teach this uh, this week because Richie has had this time off uh, planned for many, many months. We got a a message from Reed a couple days ago that he was not feeling well. And so that, along with uh, illness, with a lot of our crew that helps um, actually uh, put on our uh, Sunday services every week, as well as just many people I'm guessing that you even know. It's hard to even imagine anyone who doesn't know someone Uh, right now, who's got a cold, who's got the flu, who's got COVID or whatever the case may be. There's just a lot of illness going around. So again, we made the decision really prompted by the Lord and following his leading, at least for today, just to go with live stream only. Um, again, just want to remind you also as we do, just, you know, these are opportunities also when we get to consciously extend God's grace and consciously extend God's love to one another. And this is just one more opportunity to do that. Um, This is not, uh, we haven't even decided what's gonna happen next week. We'll deal with that later on this week, so stay tuned. Uh, But we do wanna make sure uh, that you understand why today went virtual, uh, again, just as a decision in the last couple of days. Richie asked a couple of weeks ago whether people make New Year's resolutions, and and actually I didn't raise my hand because I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. And for me personally, it's because, frankly, I don't really follow them very much. And if I do even make any, it's probably something that's just kind of, you know, in my strength and my flesh as opposed to something that the Lord is doing in my life. But I did read something yesterday morning that I do want to really challenge all of us with. This is just a a short excerpt out of Oswald Chambers' uh, devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. It starts with Philippians 1.20, which says, My earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. That's Philippians 1.20. And Chambers goes on to say, quote, my earnest expectation, this is quoting that verse in Philippians, and hope in that nothing I shall be ashamed, unquote. And Chambers says, we will all be very, feel very much ashamed if we do not yield to Jesus, the areas of our lives he has asked us to yield to him. It's as if Paul were saying, my determined purpose is to be my utmost for his highest, my best for his glory. To reach that level of determination is a matter of the will, not of debate or of reasoning. It is absolute and irrevocable surrender of the will at that point. An undue amount of thought and consideration for ourselves is what keeps us from making that decision. So his encouragement to us is to shut out every other thought and to keep ourselves before God in this one thing only, our utmost for his highest. I am determined to be absolutely and entirely for him and him alone. That's a resolution that we can all make. This new year on January 2nd, that is a commitment, a resolution, a choice, an exertion of our will to say in 2022, I am going to commit myself to my utmost for his highest, to everything that I do to be for his glory and for his glory alone, for Christ to be our lives, as it talks about in Philippians. So I do challenge you with that. Um, If you're not into New Year's resolutions, no problem. But that is a commitment that here on January 2nd, we can all make to one another, can make to the Lord to walk together, pursuing him our utmost for his highest. Um, So let's go ahead. Would you just pray with me as we just kind of move forward in our time together today? Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together those few of us who are physically here and the many who are watching right now. Lord, it doesn't matter where we are. You are in us. You are with us. And we gather together as a family, Lord, as your family, to worship you, to love you, to honor you, to be taught by you, to be changed by you. So whether we are at home, wherever we are, if we're watching this later, and for those few who are here today, Lord, come and open our ears, open our hearts. Let us hear from your word Let us be moved and changed and transformed by the truth that comes only from you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I want to just talk about just a few uh, uh, announcements, and then actually we'll get right into the sermon, uh, the message that our brother Bill is going to bring today. Uh, the first one is, it is the first Sunday of the, uh, of the month, and normally we would be raising hands who's born in January, but we don't have that opportunity. So if you do have a January birthday today, I'm not going to sing to you. We just wish you a merry, happy birthday for those of you who are born in January. We want to acknowledge you and say happy birthday. I want to just remind everybody again, just on the first uh, Sunday of every month, we like to just, again, acknowledge the generosity of so many people in just supporting the financial needs of God's work here at The Well. Uh, many ways to give, whether you're here in person, doing it online, mailing in your gifts, anything. But again, just want to remind you and thank you for your generosity. It is certainly being used for God's work here through this church. And lastly, um, particularly uh, a lot of people, it seems, got the message this morning that we were doing virtual only, and that's a wonderful thing. But just looking at going over kind of the ways that we as a church stay in touch with you, um, we do have push emails, um, and you get those uh, by having the church app or, and or being on our email list. Um, Either one of those, as far as getting support for that or asking to be on our email list, you can email us at the website that's up on your screen right now, ovcfchurch.org. We really encourage you to take advantage of those mechanisms just so you'll be up to date on things that are going on here. So with that, uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our brother Bill to hear from God's Word today.
1: All right. Thank you, Mark. Happy New Year, everybody. It is 2022. It's 2022. Well, that has a little bit of a ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, I always struggle the first part of a new year reminding myself that it is a new year. And have you ever written the date down and you write like 1, 2, and it's a struggle to write 22 because you still feel like you're in 21? It's really interesting, you know, in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, we are told that there is a season and a time for what? Everything under heaven. And we're certainly in a season, aren't we? We are in a season. There is absolutely no question about that. And today, as Mark said, for very good reason, there is a time. There is a time to live stream which is what we're doing. And who could have imagined? Can you imagine our parents thinking that there would be a time the church would be live streamed when that word didn't even exist? And praise God for the technology that we have today, amen, that we are able to do this. But we can gather together without physically being together because, you see, you can worship the Lord no matter where you are, no matter where you are. So we are blessed to be able to be here this morning. And this morning, we are going to be focusing on... Being in step. As a matter of fact, in thinking about the message this morning, I actually titled the message uh, "Watch Your Step." And so, in thinking about this, I've used this analogy before. But this morning, before we get into the Word of God, what I want you to do is, I want you to, to just maybe even close your eyes, and I want you to imagine, if you will, for just a moment, a beautiful open building with a a wood floor, a shiny wood floor, smooth. And there's a couple on this wooden floor, and there's music playing. And you begin to see this couple dance. And it's a beautiful dance. It's a ballroom dance. And you see this couple on the floor, and they are just interwoven. They are interwoven. They are completely in sync with one another. The flow to their steps is something to behold. It's beautiful to watch. And this couple is beaming. You see, there is tremendous joy in their faces as they are in sync and they are dancing together. And in a sense, you see, they're just full of life as they're moving across the dance floor. They are totally in step with one another. And that's the image I'd like you to have in your mind's eye as we move through the message this morning and as we open God's Word to see what it means, what it looks like, and even how to, how to be in step with the Spirit. But before we open the Word of God, can we just pray? Can we just get our hearts prepared for what perhaps God has for you and for me this morning? Pray with me, Father. Thank you, God, that we could even meet in this way. And I pray now, Lord, that you would open our eyes, our ears, and even tenderize our hearts, God, as we look into your word and we see, Lord, what it looks like and how we can be in step with you. And so, God, we need you, and we invite you into our hearts to teach us. So thank you for the miracle of how you do that. Amen. So the first verse we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today because uh, because that's where we find the truth. And so if we look at uh, chapter 5 in Galatians, the 25th verse, it says this, Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's a simple verse, and yet profound, because you see, Paul, who is the writer of this letter to the, to, to the Galatians, the church in, in, in Galatia, he starts this passage with the word since, which, of course, means that, of course, he's speaking to the church. And who is the church in Galatia? Well, you see, this is a group of, of born-again, Spirit-filled believers, that who the church is in Galatia, and this one, too. And you see, these are the people that Jesus was speaking about in John 3, starting in verse 5, where Jesus said, Very truly I tell you. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you. Now, that's interesting that Jesus would have to say very truly because Jesus is the truth. But that's interesting. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and The spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So born again, spirit-filled believers. You see, this truth that Jesus is espousing here is profound. And Charles Spurgeon called this and other profound truths in Scripture, true truth. Now, Spurgeon, who was a British Baptist preacher and theologian, you see, he coined that term, true truth, in the 1800s, and he was talking specifically about what? Absolute truth. You see, because you know there is such a thing as absolute truth? Well, there is. Whether you believe it or not, There is such a thing as absolute truth. And this can be a real challenge as we enter 2022. Can't it? Can't it be a challenge? You see, because we now live in a post-truth culture. It is very difficult to ascertain what the truth is and who's telling it. And trust me, You see, the devil, Satan himself, wants you to believe anything but the truth, and he's really good. Probably the best liar there is. Amen? And we're going to see a little bit later that we really need to watch our step in the Spirit. We need to watch our step. So if we go back to John 3, 5, where Jesus says, again, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. God unless they are born of water and the spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You see, this is absolutely a true truth. And he's talking here about born again, spirit-filled believers. That's what he's talking about, which according to the true truth of God's word is the only kind of believer that there is born again, spirit-filled. Now, if you are born again and spirit-filled as a believer, you see, there are some absolute truths that I'd like to tell you about if you've not heard them because I need to make sure that you understand before we move any further into being in step with the Spirit and watching your step. You need to understand who you are, and it's important. And these are just a few of the true truths in Scripture That talk about who you are, here they are. You can repeat them if you would like, they're gonna come up on the screen because they're in the first person singular because it describes who you are. Starting with, I am a child of God. You can say that, I am a child of God, I am loved." These are biblical true truths. I am a new creation, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am a member of the body of Christ, whether you're here in this building today or not. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's masterpiece. Do you hear that? You are God's masterpiece. That is a true truth. I am Christ's ambassador. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I am forgiven. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am justified. I am valuable, and I am gifted. You see, these are all true of you, of you. So you believe that, right? You believe that? Okay, so now what? Well, if we're going to watch our step in the Spirit, we've got to go back to Galatians 5.25, because it makes it very clear what the next step is. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, Paul here draws a reference to how our new life in Christ even began. You see, it began by the Spirit. So all the rest of our life should be lived how? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Now, the Galatians, you see, were just like us because there's nothing new under the sun. Not much has changed They were just like us. They were struggling in this whole idea of keeping in step with the Spirit. This whole thing about keeping in step with the Spirit was something that they were challenged by, which is why he wrote the letter in the first place. So in the third chapter of his letter to the Galatians, Paul says, and I want to read this to you from a translation that perhaps you're not familiar with, but I happen to like, and it's called the PEV, the plain English version. Now, I want you to listen to this. You're going to know why I like it. For those of you that perhaps know me a little bit, you're going to know why I like it at the very end of this statement that Paul makes in his letter to the church. It says, you started your Christian life. He he says, you started your Christian life as soon as you were a believer with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and now you are trying to keep it going with just your own power. That is really stupid. I'm not saying that. That's what the PEV says. I like that. It's pretty simple, isn't it? That's really stupid. Why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? You see, because there's this constant tension. The constant tension in life, this side of heaven, is living in the flesh, and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. You see, because they're not compatible, and we'll see that in a second. And spiritually speaking, Jesus said this in John 5.15. He says, and we've heard this before, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, you see, this is what he was talking about. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now, Jesus was speaking to those of us who insist on attempting to do the things of the Spirit, how? On our own power. You see, that doesn't work. It never has worked, nor will it ever work this side of eternity. It just won't. But what does keeping in step with the Spirit, what does that even mean? because sometimes i think we read this stuff and i and it, we just sort of gloss over it without just slowing down to determine okay lord what do you mean by this well what it means is that everything you do all day every day by the spirit it means to do the things in the spirit all day every day everything you do every detail From the time you wake up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night, you see, you do everything that you do in the Spirit, right? And you do that through the enabling power of the Spirit because you can't do it according to Scripture. You can't do it on your own. Wow. See, because that means we're constantly in sync like those dancers. But we're constantly in sync with the Holy Spirit. It means that you're filtering everything, everything through the lens of God's Word. And it means regardless the circumstances, and boy, we've got circumstances, don't we? There are circumstances in our life, but regardless the circumstances in your life, at this very moment or any future moment, you keep it all in perspective. It's got to be kept in perspective, and one of the primary perspectives, of course, your life in Christ because your life is Christ and eternity. But you see, if we stop right there, many of you might say, well, Bill, that's great theology. But practically speaking, I have no idea how to do that. And if that's you, you would probably be in good company, (laughs) which is why Paul wrote the letter to the church in Galatia. But I think it's critical to know how to do that. And this is kind of a how-to message this morning. So let's unpack some of the truths from Galatians and then summarize these truths. We'll summarize them by taking them from a theological principle that most likely you just agreed with to spiritual practice. Because our Christian walk is a practice, isn't it? It needs to be practiced every day. So let's do that. So back in Galatians 5:25, this is from the NIV by the way, we see that we're to, one, keep in step with the spirit. If we go a couple of verses back from that in verse 16 of Galatians 5, it says that we're to walk by the spirit. And by the way, these are not suggestions, these are not suggestions. And what's the context of verse 16, anyway, that says, walk by the Spirit? Well, if you look at the second half of that verse, it it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, it should be very clear that the opposite of walking by and being in step with the Spirit is what is giving into the desires of the flesh. So the context here is very outcome oriented to God's glory and our benefit, ultimately. You see, the good news is that even though there's this tension, if we walk by the Spirit and if we're in step with the Spirit, you see, it's God-glorifying. And frankly, it just doesn't get any better than that. It just doesn't. But we have to understand what is the flesh, Because the scripture talks about being in the flesh and being in the spirit. And we wonder sometimes, what is really being in the flesh? Because we get up every morning and we do all of these things, don't we? We're busy. There's a lot going on. Well, the flesh is nothing more than simply your old self. It's that old nature that you have. Remember your old nature? The nature that you had before you wanted anything to do with God? Some of us are still familiar with that old nature. Personally, I don't want to forget the old nature because it reminds me that I need to be in the spirit, frankly. But that old nature manifests itself in things like your independence. Remember when you were independent from God? And how about your self-sufficiency? And how about power, control, and money? How about the worldly pleasures and your selfish desires of all kinds? You see, everything that Jesus himself isn't is the flesh. And everything that doesn't glorify our Father in heaven, you see, these are the things of the flesh. The Bible calls all that stuff sin because it is. Because sin is nothing more than an archery term that says missing the mark. We don't want to miss the mark. But the good news is that when we're in step with the spirit, our old nature, according to scripture, is rendered dead. Now, that is really good news. I hope you're smiling. But therein lies the conflict. And we're all familiar with the conflict. So check this out, Galatians 5.17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Do you see it there? You see, the flesh produces one kind of desire, and the spirit an entirely different kind of desire. There's the tension. They are in direct opposition to one another, the flesh and the spirit. Anyone familiar with this battle? Can I hear an amen? Okay, there's at least one amen in the house (laughs) because there's only one person in the house. You see, we're all familiar with this battle because it's constant. It is constant. If you're a believer and you're alive, you're in the battle. But we've been given a new nature in Christ. But that doesn't mean that the old one isn't still there. In the recesses, it's there. It's there. And it's a battle on this side of eternity. It's a battle, but guys, it is not the war. He said, because the war is already won. You see, if you haven't heard, we win. The war is won, but we're in the battle. We are in the battle, even if it's just for a short time. We're only here for a short time, this side of eternity. And we fight this battle because we put on the full armor of God. We've heard that before. We employ spiritual disciplines in the battle? Disciplines like reading and studying and meditating on the word of God is a great place to start. How about praying and fellowship and giving and serving? You see, these are all the things that we can do in the spirit to fight that battle. Now, I love the apostle Paul's honesty in his own struggle. Many of us are familiar with Paul's struggle between the spirit and the flesh he kind of chronicles it in Romans 7 starting in verse 18 where he says and i know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature i want to do what is right but i can't i want to do what is good but i don't i want i don't want to do what is wrong but i do it anyway Wow, that's honesty right there. See, apart from God's amazing grace and his spirit that lives in us as believers and empowers us, none of our fleshly desires are good. None of them are righteous and none of them are holy and none of them glorify God. That has to be done in the spirit. You see, our actions are always subject to our strongest desires. And the only thing that can happen here to combat the fleshly desires that we have are to be in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can and will enable us to walk in step with Him so as not to gratify the desires of the flesh. But then Paul says something really interesting. It almost seems out of place. In verse 18, Paul says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that meant a lot more to the church that he was writing this letter to than perhaps it does to us because there is some historical context to this in terms of the Old Testament law and what happened when Jesus came to fulfill that. You see, that's right, because now it's about grace, you see. Now, praise God, amen? Praise God that we are now no longer under the law, but under grace. Now, I don't know about you, but I am totally confident that when Jesus came to fulfill the law and usher in grace, that that was very good news. Galatians 5.16 tells us, walk by the Spirit. Again, verse 25 says, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. And verse 18 says, be led by the Spirit. You see, these are all imperatives, grammatically speaking. They are imperatives, meaning that they come from an authoritative command. Again, as followers of Jesus, these are not suggestions, but we've got to figure out how do we do this? How do we do this walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit? How do we do this? Because it is an imperative. It is a command. Now, I want you to go back to that image that I asked you to keep in your mind. If you've got to close your eyes, go for it. I asked you to hold on to this image that you see And now I want you to think about keeping in step with the spirit. Do you have the dancers in your mind's eye yet? See, it's effortless. There's a flow to it. It's a beautiful thing to see, to watch, to participate in these two that are in sync and totally in step with one another. But verse 18 in Galatians 5 starts with this word, but. I've said this many times before. I love biblical buts. It always makes me stop and take notice. Because verse 18 says, but if. You see, because the but if in, in, eight, in, 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 in this verse uh, 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 designates, you see, that it's a choice. Now, now remember that, that Paul is speaking to believers. He's writing this letter to the church. So as we look at it here, it says, but. The but from verse 17 is talking about the contrast... It's the contrast, and it's clear about the conflict that we have between the flesh and the spirit. There is a conflict. But if you are led, but if you are led, remember the image. The dancers are completely interwoven. They're totally in sync. They are flowing across the dance floor it appears as though they are almost one. And it's beautiful to watch. They're beaming. They're full of joy. You see, because they are completely in step. And in order for the dance to even look like that, you see, to be effortless and to be in step, the dancers, each one, knows their role. And one of them is the lead. You see, and it's the same with keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Because implicit in keeping in step with the Spirit is what? The leading of the Spirit. You see, because we don't do the leading, the Holy Spirit does the leading. Being in step, you see, requires a choice to completely submit to how we are being led. So the question really naturally becomes, "Who's leading? Who's leading in your life and mine?" The reason I love this dance analogy is, you see, in some ways, being led on the dance floor is there's this whole diatheke. That's a word that that I learned from here from Pastor Richie. Actually, I love that word diatheke, which means from the lesser to the greater. We are the lesser. He is the greater. And you see, in the dance analogy from a diatheke, from the greater to the lesser, we see that we don't know as the lesser, as the one that is being led. In some cases, we don't even know what the next move is. We don't know what the next move is going to be because we are going to be led by the Holy Spirit and we are totally submitted. So it doesn't matter. Why? Because we trust the lead. We trust the leader. So do you get the picture here? That's why I love the analogy to dancing. So to be in step with the Spirit, you see, he always leads. Always. We never do the leading, but boy, we get that backwards, don't we? You see, because if he is going to lead... Being the lead stresses two things. One, the Holy Spirit's initiative to lead us. He wants to lead us. And we couldn't do it without his enabling us to do it. Because you're not the enabler either. And neither am I. So keeping in step stresses how his leading results ultimately in the actions that we take. I want to repeat that for a second. Now, keeping in step With the Holy Spirit stresses how his leading results ultimately in our actions. You see, because if we're dancing and we are not the lead, we are going to take the steps that the leader directs because we trust him. And the crazy thing is, you see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads us by even creating in us the desire. Because quite naturally, without the Spirit, you don't have the desire. You don't have the desire to be obedient. You don't have the desire to glorify God. You don't have any of those desires. Those are desires that the Holy Spirit gives you. And if we're in step with Him, we joyfully fulfill those desires, in the actions that we take when we are interwoven and totally in sync with the Spirit. And so, by the way, from Galatians 5.18 again, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, which in one sense simply means that as a believer... We know that there is no condemnation in Christ. If you are following Jesus in the power of the Spirit, there is no condemnation. And there's no burden either. There is no burden in being the follower. And sometimes in the flesh, that's hard for a leader. Mark, I probably need another amen to that. You see, the Spirit produces godly desires, and there is no burden in that at all. As a matter of fact, there is joy in that, and I think a lot of people miss that. You see, because walking in the Spirit is freedom. You want to hear another true truth from Scripture? Here it is. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, here, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Oh, I've never met anybody that doesn't want to live in freedom. Given this biblical true truth, as Spurgeon calls it, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, for every believer that is spiritually bound up, and for every believer that doesn't live in that freedom, the obvious question is, are you in step with the spirit? Or are you just mostly living in the flesh? I mean, it's the next logical question, isn't it? So I think you got to check your spirit meter because we all have one. Every one of us has a spirit meter. And I think you got to check your needle. You see, because freedom and joy come from a needle on your spirit meter that is getting close to being pegged out in the spirit. But anxiety and bondage and fear, all of those things come as your needle moves into the flesh. You see, they're not compatible, those two things. So why wouldn't we want to be in the Spirit all the time? Now, let's take a look at verses 19 through 24 in Galatians chapter 5. because here's really where the power of the message comes from today. Galatians 5, starting in 19, says, The acts, or works, of the flesh are obvious. Now, see, this is hard because we don't like to preach this kind of thing in church because this is challenging because it starts to get very real. And we hear from up here quite a bit. This is where the rubber meets the road. You see, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality But the contrast comes next in verse 22 because there's another biblical but that says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see the dramatic contrast right there? There it is in Galatians. I love, I love Galatians. It just gets so real. It's just so raw. It's just so honest. And come on, church, that's where we need to live. We need to live in the reality and the honesty of all of this walk in Christ in the Spirit, you see. These direct opposites, flesh and spirit, are a challenge, aren't they? You see, it's the same contrast, this challenge that we just look at and in, in, in just read in Galatians 5 as it was in the 16th verse that said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See the command? So just walk in the Spirit. You don't want to do those things. You don't want to be that way. You don't want to. Come on, walk in the Spirit. But notice that the acts are the works of the flesh. The flesh, that is your old nature, by the way. See, when you're in the flesh and it's all about you, these are the things you do in the flesh. Everybody has that experience, whether you want to admit it or not. If you are in the flesh, you are experiencing some of the things that Scripture just lists here. Now, some of them are radical. But selfish ambition isn't radical. I've experienced dissension recently. And I was wrong. In envy? Who doesn't have envy as we compare ourselves to one another? That only happens in the flesh, not the spirit, you see. But these are the things that we do in the flesh. And he lists all of these things, including drunkenness and orgies, and then he says, and the like, and the like. Yeah, because this is only a partial list. Because the list of sin is like that long, isn't it? We all know it well. Most of us have done that already today, that thing we call sin. Something that we thought or we did that didn't glorify God, that didn't measure up, that didn't meet the mark. You see, that's just sin. Let's just get honest about it. But you got to take a note here because the works of the flesh are what you do when you gratify the desires of the flesh. Every single one of us have done that. That's the human condition. But there's good news, you see, because the fruit of the spirit is what happens in your life when you walk, how? By the spirit. So you got to make another note. If you're a note taker, great. Make a note, mental or otherwise. When you are walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, you will be bearing the fruit of, underline, circle, highlight, whatever you want to do, that simple two-letter word of, you will be bearing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So don't miss this. Whose fruit is it according to the word of? It's the Holy Spirit's fruit. You see, it's not even our fruit. It's the fruit of the person of God, the Holy Spirit that is in you as you are led by and walk by and walk in the Spirit. And that simply means that it's not even about our work. It never is. It's about his fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, those are all byproducts of being led and being in step, in step with the Spirit. So let me tell you something this morning. See, as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you see, if your joy right this very moment is missing in action and maybe your patience and your self-control are right there somewhere along with your missing joy they're nowhere to be found in your life and you've been trying to work on these things because you want more joy and you want more peace well you got to stop trying To work at being more joyful, you got to just stop doing that because, you see, you cannot work at being more loving. You cannot work. It's not up to you to work at being more joyful. You see, because all of these things, guys, they're all beautiful things, but they are a result of his fruit and not our work. See, we get that backwards. we got to stop doing that. We work so hard, I'm the most guilty one in the room. You can't work for any of it because it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. So what is being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit all about? Well, Galatians 5, 13, the first part of it, 13a, in the New Living uh, Translation says it quite clearly, for you have been called to live in freedom. You see it there? It's a calling. We're called to live in freedom. We're called to be free. Free not in the indulgences of the flesh, which is what we tend to do too regularly. But it's the freedom we have in Christ. And not only are we called to the freedom, we're called to love each other in the Spirit. Because you can't love anybody perfectly well in the flesh because you're selfish. Guilty is charged. By the way, did you notice that the first, the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You see, because that's a true truth. You see, because it's about love, because God is love. So, after all this biblical truth, true truth, that is that we're called to be free, free in Christ, free in the Spirit. We're called to serve one another in love. We're called not to indulge in the flesh or the acts of the flesh. And we're commanded, yes commanded, we are commanded to be led by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit. And as a result, that will produce the fruit of His Spirit in us, right? Galatians 5.25 again, after all that, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul writing this letter, makes a statement and gives a command. Galatians 5.25, since we are living, since we are living, since... We are living by the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading. How? In every part of our lives. Here comes the how-to. If you've been wondering about the struggle that you're having with the flesh and the Spirit, and you want to look at the Word of God, true truth, on a how-to, here it comes. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. You see, there's a leader in every part of our lives. You see, God's word doesn't leave anything out. You cannot compartmentalize your faith and your actions. It can't be compartmentalized. Oh, you can choose to do it, but you'll be miserable and your joy will be somewhere MIA. It will be missing in action. As you try to do that, in the flesh, because you can't. You don't have the power, and you're not enabled to do it in the flesh, only in the Spirit. And so we're called to live by the Spirit and by the Spirit's leading in every single part of our life. So what part of our lives? Every part? See, now we're we're faced with this very practical question. Given the true truth that we live by the Spirit as believers, which is the sovereign will of God for us, by the way, We're called to live by the Spirit. And the three commands in Scripture are simply be led by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we do that? It's a good question, isn't it? So I'm glad you asked. You see, because if you want to live your life in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, and if you want to be keeping in step with the Spirit, both in unity, in obedience, interwoven and in sync with the person of God, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. If that's what your desire is, you see, you just have to choose to do that because it's your choice. Every day in every part of your life, you can get up and you can make the choice that this is what I'm going to do. We'll close with this. We'll close with some thoughts that are absolutely must-do's to take you, if you're so inclined and you make the choice, to take you from theological principle to spiritual practice, which I believe is what the Lord would have for you. Make the choice. But you must practice. And I want to give you four things. First, acknowledge the truth. Acknowledge, speak And most importantly, believe the truth. That's where you start. Because the world is competing with absolute truth, with lies. It's a competition every day. And we have to acknowledge that apart from the Holy Spirit, we are helpless to do anything good. We are totally dependent on him. Romans 7:18 again and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want what is good, to do what is good, but I don't I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That's the flesh. So of course that's true because remember Jesus said apart from me you can do nothing. So if you're going to try to do this apart from Jesus, you are going to fail. Jesus is the imperative. We have to acknowledge and believe that we can do nothing pleasing to our heavenly Father outside of our faith and Christ and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. So we need to acknowledge and believe and speak these biblical truths in our lives and into the lives of others. Because that's critical, and we can do that in the spirit. Two, we need to immerse ourselves. These are practical steps now. Practical spiritual practice. Number two, immerse yourself in the word of God and pray. Scripture says pray without ceasing or pray continuously. Let's quickly look at what that means. Number one, you got to get into the Word of God, and I like to say, because I learned this from somebody else, you got to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God gets into you. You see, because God's Word is the ultimate source of true truth. All truth and wisdom is contained in the Word of God. And you see, it keeps us in step with Him. Do you hear that? Boy, if you are not, if you are not in the Word of God, if you are not immersed in the Word of God, that may be the first step of God speaking to you this morning in terms of why you're so focused on being in the flesh and not the Spirit. you got to meditate on the Word of God. you got to fill your mind. you got to fill your heart with God's truth. And then according to John sixteen thirteen, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will, what? Teach you all the ways of God. You want to know the ways of God? Immerse yourself in the word of God. The more you are immersed in God's word, the clearer his voice will be. Praying without ceasing, of course, is an attitude. It is not a mumbling constantly. It's an attitude of the heart. So as you're going through the day today, maybe for the first time starting today and going into the future. Maybe that's what we Maybe that's, maybe that, Mark, thank you for mentioning that early on, maybe that's the resolution for 2022 is that we learn how to pray without ceasing, which is an attitude of the heart, which means that all we're doing is we're thinking about the Lord because we are so immersed in the word of God that whenever something comes up, it is very clear because the lens of the word of God shows us the truth about how we should be thinking, acting, and speaking about what we're just experiencing. Praying without ceasing simply is the acknowledging of the role of the lead, which is God. And he gives us the power to do that. And the third thing is trust. You see, we absolutely must believe that keeping in step with the Spirit is only achievable in his supernatural power, not ours. You see, because Romans 6.11 says that if we're in the spirit, we are not in the flesh. And if we are in the flesh, the things of the flesh are sin because there's nothing good that is in us in the flesh. And Romans 6.11 says, sin no longer has dominion over us. That's a true truth. Are we sinners? Yes. Are we forgiven? Yes. Does God's grace abound? Yes. Yes. You see, but trust is not only essential in spiritual practice, it requires that we surrender. And you don't surrender some of the things of your life. You surrender all of your life, you see, because it belongs to him anyway. So you got to let it go. Trust means that you fully acknowledge and understand that Jesus is sufficient and that you are made complete in him alone, Colossians 2.10. Keep in step with the Spirit by knowing and trusting who you are in Christ because of who he is. And finally, act. Why is it that we take action often first? Something comes up and we take action. It's the first thing we do. We're all guilty of it. I've never met anybody. And, you know, if you've never taken action before you've prepared yourself for some action that you want to take, please uh, email and talk to me. I'd like to know how that works. You see, because when we take action without spiritual preparation, it's merely an act of the flesh. That's all it is. It's merely an act of the flesh and not a fruit of the Spirit, you see. Because by God's grace, he always appeals to us to surrender. Why do we struggle with that? Oh, we are so stubborn and independent and self-sufficient, aren't we? But you see, if you're surrendered to Christ, if you're a believer, then you've already been given everything you need, not only for life, but for godliness according to 2 Peter 1.3. You see, it's his divine power That has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love that scripture. It so reminds me that I am like, whoa, got to get off my throne. And the craziness about this power that you have been granted, it's the same power, biblically speaking, that raised Christ from the dead. Now, there's a whole series of sermons on that alone. You have the power and can appropriate fully the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you if you are a born-again, Spirit-filled believer. That power that raised Christ from the dead, I suggest that you appropriate it first. You've got to believe it. You see, because when you do that, that results in the fruit of His Spirit in you, it's a manifestation, you see. It's nothing that you did or worked for. It's the choice that you made to appropriate fully the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you so that you could walk in the Spirit, which is what we're commanded to do. You see, and all of this is for not only for our benefit, but it's all to his glory, every bit of it. So if you've been trying to live in your own strength, will you just... I mean, we're all guilty. I just, the message this morning is, will you just stop it already? (laughs) You see? If you've been focused on the crazy circumstances in your life, you got to stop and change your focus because the more time you're over here and you're focused on the things of the flesh, on the worldly desires that you have or the world's lies that they're throwing at you as opposed to being over here and just living in freedom in Christ, in the Spirit. It's exhausting to be in those two places, isn't it? And yet it's hard, isn't it? Because it takes great faith and it takes a decision that needs to be made in your life. Every day, all day, according to Scripture. So the how-to gets pretty simple, but not easy. The how-to is to first make the choice and then... Seek spiritual preparedness by immersing yourself in the word of God before you take any action so that you have the correct filter and lens. Amen? And if you're online today and you're listening or watching, you see, and if if this is new to you and you've never surrendered if that's not something that you've done because you don't know how, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, he's just simply inviting you to do that. Sometimes we make it so big. Well, it is big, it's profound. But if you're tired of that struggle, he invites you in to begin a surrendered and submitted life to him because that's where you will find love Joy and peace, you see. You won't find it any other way. And if that's your desire today as you're listening to this or some other time than a Sunday morning, if he's prompting you to make that decision today, to simply believe in your heart genuinely and speak with your mouth, that wow, Jesus Christ is Lord, and He wants me to walk in the power of the Spirit. if that's your decision, do me a favor. Will you tell somebody if you made that decision today? Just tell somebody, tell anybody, or if the Spirit moves you because it would be a move of the spirit, then go ahead, tell everybody, just tell everybody because it's the coolest thing, isn't it? It is the coolest thing. Tell everyone. But maybe maybe you're a member of the body of Christ. You see, maybe you're a believer, and maybe you've been struggling as a believer. Perhaps you've been trying in your own strength, in your own strength, to get off of this spiritual roller coaster Of living in the flesh and then the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. It's exhausting, 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 isn't it? If you want to get off of that, if that's you today, then purpose in your heart to employ the three spiritual practices. Believe and acknowledge the truth. Immerse yourself in the word of God and pray. Trust. Trust the Lord with the entirety of your life, not just parts of it. Don't compartmentalize. And then, with that spiritual preparedness, take action in whatever it is today, even in just giving somebody a smile. But do it in every decision, every conversation, and every situation in the spirit. Because God is always good. Amen? And the incredible thing is, God isn't sometimes. God is always for us. God is for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the clarity of the message. Thank you for the clarity, God, that we can walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit and produce fruit of the Spirit that is your fruit and not ours. God, I pray that we would, we would listen, that our hearts would be broken, that we would move forward, even if it's starting right this very moment, God, that we would move forward in the truth of knowing that you are for us and that you are good. And God, I pray right now that everybody within the sound of my voice, God, would come to the realization that they could just make a choice. All they have to do is make the choice right now. That's the choice first, to come into faith with Jesus Christ and be saved, born again, filled with your spirit. That would then enable the compliance, which is not a burden to the things that you have for us, the calling that you have on our life. So thank you, God, how you do that miraculously. And God, for those today that are in the church that have been struggling with this and they're tired of going back and forth and back and forth, God, I pray, Lord, that you would profoundly touch them now with the reality, the truth, God. That you are with them. God, that you have identified that everyone who believes is your masterpiece, which tells us how much you love us. So God, your ways are not our ways. And the only way that we can understand these things in any practical way, is surrender. Surrender to the power of the Spirit that is in us. The person of God, the Holy Spirit that lives in every true, genuine, born again, Spirit filled believer. That is an amazing thought, God, and we believe it. So thank you. Amen. You know, it's a little unusual this morning because we like to take communion every week. And we're told that we should do this as often as we do it. There's no prescription biblically for how frequently we do it. Some traditions, they do it every day. And others, they do it once a month. That's fine. And you're live streaming, so you may be home, and maybe you didn't prepare any elements for even taking communion. And you know what? That's okay. That's Okay. But as we prepare our hearts for communion, because that's the most important thing. You see, this is spiritual preparation. I implore you right now to just take a deep breath. Maybe this is the first time you've ever live streamed. And maybe that's a challenge for you, not being together with the body of Christ. But you know what? For such a time as this, it's okay. Purpose in your heart to take communion if you have the elements or just as a spiritual act to remember the Lord Jesus and why he came and how he fulfilled God's plan in living and dying and being resurrected and being at the right hand of the Father right now. Wow, it's a profound thing. I think we just need to remember Jesus. And then in remembering Jesus, perhaps what we do is that we continue with that remembrance throughout everything we do and everything we think and everything we say for all time until he comes. Amen? So if you're prepared at home, live stream to take communion, or if you're one of the few of us here, grab a communion cup and take the elements and do it in remembrance of the Lord Jesus until he comes.